0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the 401k news. I'm your host, Fernando Rincon. It's been a minute. Um, First off, Happy New Year to you all. Happy 2022 haven't had a chance to really upload or uh, create new episodes due to uh, exciting life events, but uh, I'm back now and um, hope you enjoy this uh, 20th episode of ours. We had the privilege to interview JD Carlson. He is the founder of the Retireholics and CEO of Plan Design Consultants, Inc. Uh, We talk about his pension administration origins and podcasting. So let's begin. JD thank you for being part of our 20th episode you know for our listeners who may not know who you are can you please introduce yourself
1: my name is James Douglas Carlson but everybody calls me JD and everyone has called me JD since I was a baby mom and dad named me after a college friend JD so that's what I've always been called I grew up I was born in 1871 I grew up a few houses from the beach in California and started surfing at age seven. And that was my thing, man. I'm a surfer turned 401k guy. So I was obsessed with surfing, surfed multiple times a day. Like every other kid on the beach, I aspired to be a professional surfer. Um, I turned pro when I was 17 and took a crack at that for a few years and never really had the success I had hoped for. Um, ended up losing in a lot of competitions, but slugging it around, doing my best. So kind of failed at that, but enjoyed it and had a blast. That transitioned into me opening a retail surf shop, uh, La Jolla Surf Company. And I ran that with my wife And uh, as we started to build our family and start to have small children, I have three children now, they're all getting older, uh, 22, 18, and 16. Um, And throughout this, whole every stage in my life, my father, he was a TPA guy, right? He started Plan Design Consultants, the company that I own today. He started it in 1975. And through every stage of my life, my dad would always reach out to me and and be like, hey, do do you want to come? You know run the family business you want to take over the family business and I was a surfer and I was like hell no I don't want to wear a suit and tie and and do whatever it is that you do so I turned him down every time until I was you know two or three years into that retail surf shop and we just weren't succeeding you know we were I think we were spending more I don't think I know we were spending more money as a family than we were bringing in with this little retail store down by the beach um, it was a lot of fun, but it just wasn't it wasn't pulling it. So I got into the business for all the wrong reasons, right? For nothing but financial security and money. I, I called my old man and I said, all right, tell me about this business. I think I'm going to make the leap and do this. I got to support my family, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You can fill in the blanks. So he said, yes. And I jumped in and started to learn everything 401k from by following my father. He was my guru and my teacher. Um, That was some 15 plus years ago. I've since bought the business from him. Um, So I'm the owner of the company. I've got about 26 employees, maybe 27 at this point. And uh, I love it. You know, I like I said, I did it for all the wrong reasons, but uh, I fell in love with, I don't know if I would specifically say I fell in love love with 401k, although I kind of did. But I, but I really fell in love with being an entrepreneur. Right? I fell in love with the idea of getting up every Monday morning and how we're going to make the business better. How are we going to achieve more in sales? You know, how are we going to run a better shop operationally? How are we going to market and brand ourselves to to the outside world? So you know, I really fell in love with all that. It's still what fires me up and inspires me. Every day now is just to, to run a great company and try and improve it. And at the same time, I sounds cliche, but it's really true for me. I, I love the people that I work with, right? Uh, we'll talk a bit about Retireholics in a, in a bit. But yeah, the, everyone that I work with is a friend and a family member to me. And it's just a lot of fun. The journey of running a TPA 401k shop, um, yeah, turned out to be a good decision. So I'm glad I put the surf shop behind
0: your story is shared amongst so many Americans who grow up with a dream profession. And at the time that you were, you know, seven years old, your dream was to become a professional surfer, which you did achieve at age seventeen. You know, now regardless of you know how you performed in you know past surf competitions, the reality is. You got to live your dream, and it's important to mention that because not many people have that opportunity. Um, for example, you know my dream profession, you know, growing up was to become an animator for the Walt Disney Company, uh, and just like many kids, you know, I grew up watching cartoons and was fascinated with animation, but. You know my old man didn't see it as a respectable profession and was somewhat dismissive of my dreams so you know I chose a different career which was again you know kind of like you in in the pension TPA industry type of profession is is where I ended up um you know staying and, and and developing my my skills in um but in your case you know you were a surfer uh and you co-owned a surf shop with your wife and that's just a beautiful story because you're able to share your dream with someone else. Um, but, you know, as things happen, you know, your family grew, it evolved, and so did your financial needs, which, you know, was a valid reason for changing your profession. Um, but, you know, in regards to... Being an entrepreneur, and I like to you know coin phrase entrepreneur as you know podcasting um even if it may be a side hustle you know there there is a high um, that we get from either achieving our goals, whether it be you know sales or operations you know improving your operations or just the evolution of your brand um you know I'm still new to podcasting, but I love connecting with pension professionals and building my network um you know and i've been fortunate enough to really leverage my podcast to, you know, not only double my my salary, but able to move to New York City and you know work for the you know, the world's most famous arena. You've also had great you know dividends um, in your in your career as well. So you know, my first question or my first follow up question really is, how did you come up with the Retireholics?
1: In terms of coming up with Retireholics, I mean, if you really think back, we started this Retireholics six years ago, but we're like any other TPA or financial services firm marketing to advisors through like live events, right? Like giving PowerPoint presentations at a local steakhouse or a hotel. Um, we were, that would evolve and or be supplemented by webinars, you know? So, hey, tune in on Tuesday at 1030 And we'll take you through another PowerPoint (laughs) and try to show you different designs and stuff like that. So that was marketing for us, right? And a couple of us within the company were like, you know, we got to get on this video thing because wouldn't it be cool if someone didn't have to show up? At Tuesday at ten thirty, you know, they could just watch it and listen to it on demand. So that was the basic logic: was okay. How do we do video so people can just watch it when they want to? And then as we started to piece together what the show might look like, um, I've told this story before, but it was funny because originally it was going to be a typical like YouTube show. Like it was going to be my sales director Chad Johansson and myself and. Suit and ties, sitting in the conference room, hopefully having like heated debates and cool conversations about a forum case subject matter, but but pretty standard, right? And somehow we just took a heavy left turn where we, we were sitting around talking about it and like, hey, let's let's make this different, let's make this fun. Uh, we started to brainstorm. Somehow beer came up, and then we just slid down this path of like let's really loosen it up right let's make it casual let's make it fun let's have the beer be involved and maybe we'll play some games try to get some laughs but but you know the whole time trying to deliver valuable 4 k content to you know our intended audiences advisors uh, it's, it still is, but it's kind of grown to educating other TPAs as well as just industry peeps in general, but with a major focus on advisors. Uh, so th- that was the original concept and purpose, right? It's nothing, nothing any more grand than just kind of replacing the live events and the webinars. And not that we don't do live events, we still do, but putting all of our energy towards something that's, that's video and could be on demand and then as a show, it just kind of snowballed, right, itself. So that – and that was a lot of fun for me. And this kind of ties to this surfer that we talked about before. If, if you think about my surfer surfing industry, it's very edgy and counterculture and kind of punk rock. And that's how a lot of the brands kind of build their, their marketing and that's innately in me, right? That kind of flows through my blood. I mean, I still surf every day, and I and I run my company in kind of a very counterculture kind of way, very different than maybe a lot of my peers. And so, it's a lot of fun for me to to make sure that the branding that we're putting out there and the marketing kind of matches who we are, really, and uh, it just makes it so much fun. So that that's the creative pro- process behind it is. You know, how can we shake things up, kind of uh, sh- show who we are and just have a lot of fun doing it at the same time.
0: You know, it, it's awesome how your TPA firm organically created a fun and casual platform to educate others about 401k plans. And I think there's... I just think that's how a lot of successful companies and brands are built just organically. Um, you know, by first one identifying a need in a specific market and then solving it. Um, you know, your firm brings value to financial advisors by discussing ERISA compliance topics, you know, the CARES Act, you know, things like that that have popped up ever since, you know, COVID-19, you know, became an epidemic. Um, And I think that's just something that's very valuable since a lot of these topics tend to be kind of, you know, dry, dry topics, you know, but all in the while, you know, you stay true to who you are during these, you know, these discussions you have online. Um, And it sounds like you're just a very free spirited and easygoing person, which again, helps build your brand, you know, as this fun educated, um, TPA firm that, you know, can talk the talk, walk the walk, you know, discuss, you know, black and white, um, legislation, but also have a good time, um, while doing so, which again, helps build your brand and, and your company's, um, success. What challenges, you know, did you face when creating the retire We've
1: faced all kinds of challenges and, you know, we still do today face challenges, um yeah, I mean think about my old man. He, start, he was a Sun guy, I started the company in in 75, and um I'm taking over the company at that point and and letting him know like hey, check out our our YouTube show we're doing, you know, we're drinking beer and doing all kinds of hijinks and having fun. And um to be honest with you, my dad's a smart guy. Like, even though that didn't maybe mesh with his way of doing things he understood it and he knows why we were doing it and we've actually had him on as a guest um kind of calls in on earlier shows and uh we even tried to make him pretend like he didn't like what we were doing and give us shit about it but uh no he's a huge fan of what we're doing and when we first started to do like live events on stage he was the first guy to fly out to watch us do it even though he had been retired for several years um, uh, all kinds of other challenges. I mean, geez, I think in the beginning there was a lot of people that were looking at what we were doing and were just kind of like, I'd have people walk up to me and just say, "Hey, I don't like this. You know, why are you, why are you unprofessionalizing our industry?" So I have had plenty of haters that have come up and just say, "I don't get what you're doing. I don't understand it. I don't know why you would do it. Um, we've gotten emails from time to time with people that just you know don't like our vibe. But then there's you know, for every one person that doesn't like it, there's 50 that ride in just saying, "Yeah, right on, man, keep this up. I love it and getting tons of value from the show, and I love how you guys are changing our industry, and so that's the fuel to your fire, right that, that just keeps, keeps you going. Um, and then what's been neat about it is we never had an in- envisioned being at conferences, right? That was never part of the plan. It was just always going to be like a YouTube show that you'd go watch. And so when we got the first call from a conference that wouldn't wanted, wanted us to come and do our show live, we said yes. And then our, got together and like, how are we going to do this? Like we never even thought about this. Uh, and to be totally honest with you, like that's been the m- most fun part of Retire that, and we had never designed it, right. It was never part of the plan, which is to prep for and create a live onstage show for these national conferences. So post COVID, that's something that I'm really excited to get back to. And I know the boys are too, and just create a bigger and better live show for, for national audiences Um, challenges in terms of, Recording and and equipment and quality of audio and quality of video and we, even recently we've kind of moved into this like live streaming concept which comes with its own you know uh, bag of problems uh, yeah sure we if you watch episode one I mean we sucked our audio sucked and um, hats off to Brandon Carlson our producer AKA my my younger brother who is is really the the brains behind all of our production, a lot of our show concepts, a lot of the graphic design and art and branding and for sure is 100% in charge of the quality, right? Uh, And the equipment has just evolved with us from year one to year two to year three. I mean, we've spent a shit ton of money on on upgrading all of our equipment from cameras to uh, mics to uh, mixing boards. And I mean, it's it's pretty amazing the stuff that Brandon has built. But um, did we face challenges? Heck yeah, we did. But I've talked about this before. Our concept was kind of like, ah, screw it. Let's get her done, right? Let's let's just jump in. And we're not going to sit around and twiddle our thumbs and, and worry about whether we should have a better mic or a better camera. We're just going to start doing it and then evolve. And, and that served us well. I also think it helps because our show, it, it has a bit of a sophomoric kind of vibe to it. So even the quality isn't great in the beginning, it, it was fine, but we are quality obsessed these days. So um, if you watch what we do, I mean, there's a lot of time and energy and money that goes into making sure that it's um, fun and easy to watch and listen to and, and has a a certain standard that, uh, and that's all Brandon. It's all brand. I can take zero credit for that.
0: I respect your resiliency, you know, of being able to produce content and market that content to the TPA industry. Um, You know, especially in the beginning when you first started out, because a lot of people didn't understand your product, you know, what you were providing through, uh, YouTube videos, for example, or you know vimeo or things like that because it was it was new you know it didn't exist in our industry and it's that resiliency that really helped your brand and your company you know expand to different horizons that you might have not not achieved had you not you know taken a chance upon yourself um, and you know several years ago when, when i saw your you know your first couple of youtube videos you know it motivated me to build my own brand you know by producing podcast episodes where i interview all types of pension professionals whether it be tpa administrators financial advisors pension recruiters you know basically anyone who wants to share their experience with the world and obviously every brand is different but my focus is to produce quality, thought-provoking episodes that inform and, you know, hopefully inspire others just like you guys. You know, I had a, you know, just like you had a, I'll figure it out as I go mentality. You know, when I created my first several episodes and I still do kind of, you know, just kind of wing it. But, you know, with time I've improved a bit and, you know, I'm, I'm nowhere near being perfect, but I'm constantly improving just like you guys. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the RetireHolics brand. Can you, you know, just explain more in depth, you know, the evolution of the RetireHolics brand?
1: In terms of the evolution of the show, um, it, you know, I, I think, I think I manifest things a little bit. You know, I definitely kind of play a chess game of business and and make connections. And I think about, you know, once we started getting invited to conferences, I thought to myself like, okay, how do we, how do we up this a few levels? You know, what are the bigger conferences that that maybe we could go perform at? And so, yeah, I, I hit those people up. I look who's on the board of directors of different conferences and I definitely network through the industry and I'm not afraid to, ask someone to ask someone or recommend us. And so I'm always kind of got my eye on that ball. Um, But at the same time, there's there's a methodology of, hey, let's just put our head down and work harder, right? Let's just continue to create new episodes, create new content, get that content out there brand and market ourselves just work hard 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 provide value and then and then hope that the phone rings and someone's interested in what we're doing and and wants us to be a part of their their conference so so yeah that's been a bit of the evolution a, a bit of planning and chess moves but also a lot of just hard work and and hoping that good things happen have we had disagreements as a team in terms of our evolution and branding? For sure. Um, one of the guys on the show, Chad Johansson, I mentioned him before. He's my sales director. Um, he is an absolute 401k pro, right? So a suit and tie guy who has a stellar reputation for helping advisors, prospect, market, close, win, and retain you know retirement plan clients. And in the very beginning of the show, I think Chad was the one that, that would voice his disagreement at times. Right. So I was like, let's put the pedal to the metal, right? Like we're going to, we're going to bring in 24 ounce cans of each domestic beer and we're going to chug them, you know, and, and then we're going to put your hand in a mousetrap and people are going to laugh and, all the while we're talking about target date fund glide pass or, you know, whatever the valuable subject matter is. And Chad was the one that was always kind of tapping the brakes, like, you know, voicing his opinion of, do we really want to do this? You know, is it, is it, is it good for us long-term, you know? Um, so yeah, we, we'd have those disagreements at times. Um, I think to be honest, if, if you really experience retireholics, it's not as, over the top or crazy as it appears to be from outside the window, right? Um, It really is a boring 401k show where, you know, these days we're talking for 60 plus minutes about 401k current events and topics, you know, designs and investments and advisor best practices. I mean, it's not all beer chugging and, uh, and, and fun. There's a lot of serious conversation. We just try to keep it loose. Um, so it's not as sophomoric and crazy as it appears from the outside. And the people that, that tune in every week, they know that. It's, it's real industry conversations. And with, by the way, freaking thought leaders, right? I mean, Fred, Re- the guests that we've had on show, the show—the Fred Reaches and the Dick Darians and the Bill Chetneys and the Nevin Adams—and I mean, the list goes on and on of just Sal Tripodi's, like industry icons, living legends that have joined us on the show. So it is serious forum K. We're just trying to make sure we put a smile on your face while we do it.
0: There's a lot of people who are skeptics. About self manifestation, um, I hear people talk negatively about movies like The Secret and how it's misleading. Um, you know, critics disbelieve in self manifestation, putting things out in the universe. They just think it's a lot of bullshit, basically. But you know, in reality, it's their inability to see that a lot of things are possible you know, your TPA firm, you know, being a great example of manifesting uh, your dreams by, you know, networking, producing videos, and just going after it. And that's the secret of self-manifestation, which is to work hard and be consistent so that you can achieve whatever goal it is that you desire. You know, and as I first mentioned earlier, um, you know, my podcast Helped build my brand to a level that I never thought I could achieve. Um, You know, when I first began podcasting, I was living at my parents' house uh, with my wife, you know, broke and uh, unemployed. But then my podcast, you know, caught the attention of a large hospital in Dallas, Texas, which helped my wife and I leave my parents' house and become financially independent. And as I continued podcasting, I was then hired by one of the most iconic venues in the world in New York City. You know, making over six figures. You know, without a BA degree, um, and mind you, we're only talking about maybe a year and a half you know, time span, which all this happened. So, self manifestation is definitely real. Just like how you self manifestated you know, building this brand for your TPA firm to build your own sales and you know to build this network of. Consistent referrals coming from financial advisors, which is which is amazing, man. It really is. So, um, you know, with that said, how how do you see the RetireHolics brand um, increasing your TPA firm's future revenues?
1: Does RetireHolics and the branding that goes along with RetireHolics increase our firm's revenue as a TPA? Heck yeah, it does. I mean, are you kidding me? It's um. We're nationally known now, you know, by advisors all over the country and and industry professionals. So it for sure makes our phone ring more, has our email buzzing more, has people reaching out to us wanting to know if they can work with us and and how they can work with us and wanting to know more about our third-party administration company. So that's, that's a guarantee that that's what's... I mean, that's... We do it to have fun, but of course we're we're trying to move the needle in terms of marketing. I can't really tell you how much we spent on branding before. I d I don't really keep track of that. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be in a to own a 45-year-old firm, right? That's profitable and does very well. Like I don't necessarily have to keep a close eye on the bottom line. Obviously, I have metrics and things as a company as a whole to to monitor our profitability. I can't say I really keep my finger on exactly what we spend in terms of branding and marketing. And I can also tell you that when it comes to the show, especially in the beginning, I mean, we're spending a lot more money than... (laughs) Made, makes a lot of sense. I mean, come on, we send people free merch and, you know, $60 sweatshirts that we ship across the country to someone for winning a silly game and all the equipment. And we've spent tens of thousands of dollars in equipment and, um and so, yeah, we've, we've spent a ton of money on that. So I, I don't know the real ROI of that, but what I can tell you is that it's definitely increased our business and, and it's also a lot of fun, a lot of fun to do. Um, the content, when we're thinking about content, I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. We're trying to figure out is what we're putting ourselves in the shoes of a financial advisor, right? Whether you're a 401k pro or you dabble in 401k and, and focus more on wealth management or financial planning. Um, we're trying to come at those people with topics that sounds cliche, but, you know, would help make them better. Be better at what they do right so that's what we're thinking about every time we're trying to come up with topics and concepts is all right what would be most valuable to the advisor audience now now through covid that we do this weekly you know it's a little tough because you end up hitting on some of the same subjects from time to time so the next thing we're trying to do is bring on a big guest that's got a unique perspective and the show is going to be a hybrid of of trying to get value out of that guest brain. Like what does that guest know through their history and their experience in 401k that they could share with our audience? And then what else is current events or or cool things that advisors need to know about that we can voice our opinion on and get the guest's opinion? So that's it, man. It's pretty straightforward. What can be most valuable to our audience? And that's not easy task. That's something that we're always redefining and trying to, um, get better at, right. Is all right. How do we really, really provide value? My dream for every episode is that someone walks away, you know, with some handwritten notes of like, Oh, here's three or four things that I should be doing, or I should get involved deeper in that would make me a better 401k pro. That's what I hope for. Um, in terms of measuring our success, um, it's kind of organic for me. Is, is that the right word? It's, it's just really natural. Like, I'm not necessarily hyper focused on on views and likes and comments. Because um, to be honest, sometimes I can barely keep up with that shit. So, but it is to me that's the biggest metric, right? Is how many people are reaching out to me on the daily and the weekly that are either saying, Hey, congrats, love the show, or, Hey, I enjoyed this episode or, you know, they're resharing our stuff on social media, which I think is, is so awesome that someone would take the time to reshare, you know, an episode of ours or, or some post that we put out. So I think that's really cool. And it's just nonstop, right. With people commenting and supporting us. And so making sure that I'm getting back to them and, and, fi- and meeting those people. Um, that's really how I, gauge our success, right? It's just through feedback, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, yeah. And I mentioned earlier and and then referrals, right? So I gauge our success partly due to how many more plans we're selling every year and how much more money we're making every year. And so that's um, not just retireholics. Obviously, that's the hard blood, sweat and tears of my sales team and, and the hard work of the people that are doing all the job back at the office, the 5,500s and the ADP test because the better they do it, then the more repeat business we get from advisors. Um, So yeah, we do not, everything we sell is through advisors. So we are not, and and you've probably heard me discuss the show, like the show is laser focused on advisors. We do not market to plan sponsors um, and, and nor do we get plan sponsor direct clients Everything we do is through a financial advisor. Um, If a plan sponsor stumbled their way into our office and wanted us to be their TPA, we would find a local advisor to match them up with because we just think that that job is paramount. And um, so, yeah, so nothing. We don't focus our attention directly on plan sponsors. It's all focused on advisors.
0: You know, again, we spoke about you know adding value earlier in our conversations, and how this is a great way to leverage your expertise to receive compensation, whether it be you know directly from the plan sponsor or indirectly, which it sounds like that's um, how you guys receive your your money through you know uh, referrals from financial advisors, CPAs, um, indirectly. But regardless, you know it's 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 that leverage that helps provide that revenue stream, and you know your firm being a third-party administration firm, um, you know most of your business com- comes from these financial advisors, uh, which again, as I mentioned, are these uh, you know referral revenue sources, which it sounds like it's been increasing, you know, since the time you've established, um, you know, your YouTube videos, your content, um, using the retireholic brand. And, you know, what that brand represents, which is the, you know, the projection of expertise. You know, it's, it's putting out their content that, you know, people can use as, as valuable advice or as, um, as a map to you know, administer their plans correctly. And for many people starting out in a new career or a business, you know, it's difficult to find that expertise or how many people coin it as a niche, um, it's hard, especially when you're first starting out, as to what you want to specialize in, um, because it takes trial and error to discover what you're good at, or at least what you're decent decently good at. Um, and your firm, you know, is focused on bringing respected pension professionals, like you mentioned, Fred Reich, to provide his unique perspective on ERISA, and you know, which is very similar to what I do. You know, my guests range from. Ted Benna, the first 401k plan sponsor in the U.S. history, to Aliyah Robinson, a former pension lobbyist, you know, for the ERISA Industry Committee. You know, we both use this strategy because our audience wants to hear the perspective of these from these professionals, which is you know something that really isn't given in today's uh, market. That being said, you know, you are the founding father of 401k podcasting. You know, you and your friends um, are definitely the uh, the pioneers, uh, per se, um, within our niche. How do you feel about other 401k consultants having their own podcast?
1: I'm kind of of two minds when you talk about the uh, my peers and competitors and everyone podcasting and doing videos and and focusing more on social media. I mean, do I feel like I was there a little early and therefore therefore I had a more captive audience. Maybe Um, do I feel like these days, like there's so much running through people's feeds that their social media feeds, that's 401k content that it's like, Oh, am I going to get drowned out? Like how how do I get noticed? Sure. I I have those insecurities. Um, And have I always been a proponent of other people in the industry putting out creative new cool things yeah and i still feel that way i feel like as an industry as a whole we need to up our game and we need to start to look different and talk different and um and present ourselves as the unique solutions that we are as opposed to i think if you look 15 years ago all tpas look the same all advisors look the same record keeping was a commodity so I'm a huge fan of more creative, non-traditional forms of marketing. Um, so no, I'm always going to support it. And I feel like it's kind of the, uh, I don't think it's a zero sum game either. Like I think that uh, I'm great friends with a lot of my competitors. And I think there's a lot of cool value that comes from having those relationships and and pushing and promoting each other. Let me put it this way. I- I've had other TPAs. As guests on Retireholics, right? So if that doesn't tell you where my mind's at with all that, I don't know what does. You know, I'm, I'm willing to promote them on my own show. So I definitely feel like the better the industry does as a whole, the more psyched I am. Um, some of my favorite and podcasts that are out there, I love the stuff Jeannie Fisher does on LinkedIn. You're talking about six-minute or less videos I've told her time and time again, she has a skill like no other. Like her ability to hit the eight top bullet points in a, in, in four minutes and do it in such a clear, succinct way is amazing. And and so I, every time I see one of her videos, I'm listening in because she's she's really really good. And we've had her on the show several times, so we consider to be a. BA family member of Retireholics, a, a great friend of the show. Jeannie Fisher is an absolute beast when it comes to 401k. So if you're not following her on LinkedIn, you should. Uh, lately I've been into Josh Itzo's podcast, the The Fiduciary You podcast. He's probably got about 12, 14 episodes out there um, that I think are, are really, really good. He's got Big Gas, Fred Reich, um, uh, Fielding Miller, all kinds of, of big shots he's had on the show, and he does a great job of voicing his own opinions as well as uh, really asking tough questions of his guests, questions that I want to know when I'm sitting at home with my earbuds in. And so Josh, Itso, the fiduciary you podcast is great. Um, in terms of my least favorite podcasts out there, are, or you know, content like that, there's a lot of it, man. I mean, there's so much horrible shit that people put out that, uh, and not necessarily just podcasts, but just you know, videos and clips for LinkedIn. I'm I'm not a fan of the phone, of the camera phone in my car, you know, giving me a quick. Update. I'm not a a fan of someone sitting down in front of a camera and kind of reading off a script. Uh, I'm not a fan of large Fortune 500 companies trying to create content on something new that they've put out that's just so drab and boring and and self-promotion. There's lots of crap on the Internet that I think people need to take a second look at. So my advice to uh 401k people trying to work on their marketing and branding and getting content out there is is you probably read this type of advice so i apologize but it's really true the number one rule is you you have to be providing something valuable to your consumer right so that's your first box you need to check and that's got to be kind of your your driving mission statement, right? Is, am I giving something free to these people that's valuable to them? Because otherwise you're just wasting their time, right? They got enough crap to look at on their phones and their computers and their email inboxes that you need to give them something that they will walk away from that's actually valuable so that's the first thing you have to ask yourself. If you're putting out content that's for you, yourself, selfishly, or to promote something that's really not of that much interest to them, or you're not thinking specifically about, well, is someone that tunes into this actually going to walk away with something, sorry for the word again, valuable, then then you need to start over. You need to scratch it and start over. Um, my next big advice, which is probably easier said than done, is like I told you I was upset with like the scripted stuff. I'm also upset with like the copycat stuff, you know, just, it's like everyone trying to do the same thing. Um, I guess this sounds, sounds funny coming from me, but, uh, yeah, I just feel like it needs to be you. Right. And I, and I know that's, that's typical and authenticity is a huge word out there, but you, your clients like you for a reason, you know, your, your family loves you for a reason. Your close friends like you for a reason, like you have a personality, so kind of use it. And I would be much more interested in a transparent look into your your life and your business and your, your day-to-day as opposed to you scripting something and and sitting in the perfect chair with the perfect background and the perfect corner to tell me about, you know, some 401k insights like, shit, sh- show me like, show me what a conference room meeting looks like, you know, at your office. Like show me what it looks like for you to be on a, a call with, You know, a client or a prospect. Show me the frustrations you go through as you pick funds for a core menu. Like, I don't know, but show me something that's real, that's transparent, and it's not like produced. And I'm going to be a lot more interested in tuning into that. And that's my advice for people that are trying to build their personal brand and put content out there. Like, show me the real shit. Show me, show me what you do every day. That's going to, Translate and it's going to get people excited about wanting to know more about who you are.
0: You mentioned Jenny Fisher, and we both were fortunate enough to interview her. You know, she is one of those genuine and sincere individuals that you rarely get to meet, you know, and her knowledge in financial planning is just, you know, a high level, you know, advanced uh, skills that not many. Financial advisors offer, and you know her media content style is also unique. You know, being short, sweet, and straight to the point. You know, because there's many people, you know, including ourselves, that produce um, quality media content in an effort to provide value. You know, to individuals, and I agree um, that authenticity is an important factor when building a brand, since it's easy to identify when someone isn't now, of course, you know everyone has a different style, which is different, but you know this you know for example, like our conversation, it's scripted in a sense that you know we gathered our thoughts you know there was an outline that I had prepared um you know you provided me your answers, and now I'm you know here typing up my answers and recording them you know that's just my style, which you know is different from you know maybe the retireholics where it's more live, you know you guys have more time to sit back and and just you know really um shoot the shit and you know it's just different but it's authentic. It's who you are. And that's really at the end of the day, all that matters. But, you know, I do agree that there are people who should dedicate more time to craft their brand, craft their delivery, craft their style, you know, instead of just flipping on a cell phone while jogging or bicycling and then just giving, you know, you know very um, generic 401k plan advice. Now, what do you think about fintech companies and their place in the 401k industry?
1: We are in exciting times. Um, we've got a lot of, I'm using air quotes here, but 401k disruptors, right? These these technology, at least they claim to be technology-driven record keepers or firms that are hitting the marketplace. We're, we're an industry that's been dominated by in terms of record keeping right by mutual fund families and insurance companies. And then within the last 10, 15 years, some of these kind of independent open architecture record keepers. Well, recently though, there's a lot more of these VC backed, you know, 401k disruptors that are coming in saying, look, this industry's broken. We're here to fix it. And I, I, t- I have some issues with a lot of them. I, I and I, I want to first state, like, I'm all for evolution and change, and I'm, a, I'm especially a huge fan of tech. Um, but some of the messages that these companies are delivering about our industry being broken, and then it seems to me the biggest flag that they're waving is, like, low fees. Like, that's their... That's their big message. Is like, oh, the industry's been ripping everyone off, and so if you come to us, it's low fees. And for them to get to low fees, there, there's a lot of kind of sleight of hand and tricks that they're doing. Um, they're carving out advisor roles. They're you know, they're bringing in cheap, inexpensive, you know, administration compliance solutions. They're they're doing things that, to me, aren't in the best interest of the client long-term and it might look attractive to, to buy it today, but it's not going to help the client succeed in terms of helping participants get retirement ready and helping plan sponsors navigate their fiduciary responsibilities. And so I just think we need to be very wary of those types of companies. I also think that when VC is putting tens of millions of dollars in investment money into some of these companies. It makes me wonder like what the true purpose is of, of the companies because VCs aren't here to just get like a standardized rate of return. Right. I'm not, I don't know a ton about venture capital, but I know enough to know that they're looking to like five X, 10 X, 20 x a hundred X their money. Right. Isn't that the case? So, you need to ask yourselves like what is the real plan for these companies and and i think a lot of them this is a whole new conversation we're having these days is around the value of data you know the participant data and you know think google facebook you know stuff like that and how valuable personal information and data is so you can sell people things that kind of mesh with what they might want to buy well imagine the value of people's financial information and so 401k providers that are gathering that data have a a really interesting future ahead of them and i'm not completely against this i don't i don't want to be misquoted here i mean i I, I think there can be some neat things that we could create using data to appropriately, yes, sell, uh, but I would say provide solutions to participants that will be useful to them and, and necessary for them. And so I, I think that, th- that the future could be really cool in that regard, but I think we need to understand conflicts of interest, right? And we need to understand business models and profitability models and, and what these companies are trying to do. And so in terms of conspiracy theories, you know, if I throw on my tinfoil hat, I've mentioned over and over again that how much of a advisor advocate I am. I really feel like the advisor is the, the, the puzzle piece to participant and plan sponsor success. I really don't feel like a plan sponsor and a plan and the participants can succeed without a dedicated 401k financial advisor in their position. Um, And I believe that the best way we move forward is letting those advisors use technology to be more efficient and to help the little account balances. And there's like there's lots of things we can do around with this convergence of health, wealth, and retirement. I just don't want the large Fortune 500 companies or the 401k disruptors that I previously mentioned. I don't want them in charge of that. I want the advisor in charge of it in some way. I feel like would be in better hands if the advisor is the one quarterbacking that. And I'm not a fan of conflict of interest. And, and so what I don't want to see is record keepers out there selling free or super cheap record keeping and admin when it's just their Trojan horse to get in to sell other things to the participants. Um, I'd rather see it in a, transparent world where the advisor's working hand in hand with the plan sponsor. And yeah, maybe, maybe saying, Hey, look, we're going to use this technology. We're going to use this data to sell, you know, or help sell is such the wrong word. Right. But to, to, to help, put the right products in front of the participants that could use them. You know, think emergency savings, college savings, shit I don't know, you know, a lower mortgage rate. I mean, things that could help them. And so if that retirement plan advisor and his or her firm could act more like a financial planner to all those participants and and move the needle as it relates to financial wellness and retirement readiness and all that kind of jazz, I think that could be a pretty cool future for 401k, but let's not let the let's not let these this VC backed technology record keepers um,
0: attempt to do that. JD, your perspective on fintech companies is spot on. In that you know these companies are trying to become. The future, you know, the future record keepers, future advisors, you know, etc. But by trying to be all these things, you know, at once, you know, it does come with a cost, like you mentioned, a conflict of interest, or at least a potential conflict of interest, um, including poor administration services, since a lot of these are startups and you know they lack the tenure, they lack the um, the the actual consulting. Um, experience and rely more heavily on you know, cookie cutter plans and programmers to streamline these you know, administrative services. In addition to that, you know, their structure, their organizational structure is unstable since a lot of them have high turnover. You know, you go on LinkedIn, you search, you know, certain fintech companies, and then you see that their CEO had left, you know, now they're they're with another fintech company that's not even in the TPA space. They're, you know, venture capital or whatever or you look at their senior managers and they're gone within 9 months so there's definitely high turnover in these you know fintech companies which ultimately hurts client relationships and you know on top of that as you mentioned all the data that they gather you know from plan sponsors and participants you know it is questionable as to what it is that they truly do with all that data you know but it's not far-fetched to think that potentially you know maybe these fintech companies are potentially selling the data you know to sell future products like you mentioned you know whether it be life insurance health insurance um, you know hsa fsa accounts things like that but you know at the same time you know i'm also millennial and um you know I'm all about change, you know, change can be good, but sometimes too much change at all at once isn't always the best. And that's what I think, you know, many fintech companies are doing. And that's where they kind of fall short in that they try to change, you know, so many things at once that they don't have enough manpower, enough knowledge to pivot and be able to accomplish full, you know, full changes within those short periods. Anyways, buddy, you know, it, um, it was great interviewing you and, um, you know, you're definitely a cool guy, man. And I appreciate you participating, um, on my podcast and, you know, Hey, I wish you and, you know, everyone around you, you know, continue success. So happy new year and, um, best of luck to you, buddy.
1: Thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate being on your pod. You know, there's nothing I love more than mixing up a little 401k with some podcasts. So thanks, buddy. Continued success in your podcast. Thanks for letting me share my views and um, see ya.